Hello, Real Life family and friends. And if you're visiting with us, I'm Tim Hobson. I'm pastor at Real Life in Montrose, Michigan. And we are doing a series called Home Improvement Relationship Edition. You know, I mentioned last week as we started this message that our relationships are the source of our highest highs in life, but also our deepest pain. And uh, we all have so many stories and examples of struggles that we've had in relationships, whether that's uh, parent to child or husband to wife or just friend to friend. And so we can all benefit from getting better at having healthier relationships. And so that's our challenge as we start this new year. I challenge you to begin to put purposeful time and energy and effort into growing your relationships in a healthier way. And to do that, we need to look at things honestly. We need to look at patterns that we've been living in uh, and things like that and, some, and to acquire some tools that God has given us out of his word to have healthy relationships. And so that's what the series is all about, is to inspire one another to have better, healthier relationships, to put bad patterns, bad habits, bad things aside, and to acquire new, healthier ways of relating to one another. So I pray that God will give you um, just inspiration and wisdom and grace and empowerment to do just that as we start this new year. That at the end of the series and at the end of this year, your relationships and your life are better and stronger and healthier. Your marriage is stronger. Your relationship with your children is stronger. Uh, your relationships with your friends are stronger. So this series applies to all of us because we all have relationships. So last week I talked about the importance of the foundation of healthy relationships. And basically, if I was to summarize the entire point of last week's message about a foundation, is the foundation of healthy relationships is finding our needs met in God, not in one another. So, so much of our life experience is trying to find what fills our tank or uh, reaching out to grab happiness from things, from people, and, and yet the key truth here, the foundational truth of all healthy relationships is this. If you have a healthy relationship with God and you are finding all of your needs met in Him, then you are in a position to love and to give and you will have healthy relationships. But if you don't have a healthy relationship with God, if you're not living in His love, living in His security, living in, in His grace, then you're lacking those things and you are going to try to suck those things from other people. You're just, that's what we do. And that results in unhealthy relationships. So for a healthy relationship to be the, at its highest peak, we need to have two people who are drawing on God for all of their needs, emotional, spiritual, physical needs. They're drawing on God as their provider, and they are overflowing, as Jesus said we would, with a river of living water to the other person. That is the ideal, healthiest relationships. And even in those situations, because we're not perfect, we will have moments of selfishness. We'll have moments of pride. We'll have moments of insecurities or fears that creep in and manipulate the situation and cause us to hurt one another. I mean, that's just a fact of life. And so uh, as we talk about this, I hope that we all just get better at utilizing the tools that God has given us to live healthy relationships, but 
Keep growing in your relationship with God. That is the foundation that we need to never stray away from because we need to find all of our needs in God. He is our supplier. He is our truth. He is the one who loves our soul. And he is the only one who can restore our soul. Amen? All right, so let's build on that foundation. So today I want to talk about guarding our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else... The most important thing you can do for yourself is to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I want to talk about guarding our heart today and how important that is for us to have healthy relationships. Because when our hearts are not guarded, when we get our hearts hurt, we begin to hurt one another. This is where all pain and, and uh, hurt comes from, is from our heart. Jesus put it this way, Matthew chapter 12 Verses 34 to 35. He said, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says what's coming out of our mouth, our actions, our attitudes, our, even our, our behaviors, it's actually coming from inside of us in our heart. And if our heart is whole, good things will be coming out of our mouth. Good things will be coming out of our actions. But if our heart is harmed, if it's hurt, if, it, if it's toxic, then Evil will be coming out of our mouth. Evil actions will be coming out of, out of our, our lifestyle. He goes on to say the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. Notice there are things that are stored up in a heart. They can be good things stored up in heart. Or he says, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. There can be evil stored up in our hearts as well. And we can have a little of both at the same time. Our hearts... Um, are incredibly important for the quality of not only our life, but the relationships that we have. And so I want to talk about guarding our heart because the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart for from it flows life. It is the wellspring of life. So whatever is coming out of our mouth, whatever our actions and attitudes are like, they're not just behavioral problems. They are coming from our heart. If it's a healthy heart, there'll be life coming out. If it's, a, if it's a hurt or harmed heart, then we'll have toxic stuff coming out, harmful things coming out. So in the Bible, um, the word for guard in Hebrew is shamar. It's three letters, shin, mem, and resh. And it means to guard, to protect, to keep. All right? And so the Bible is saying guard, protect, keep, or even I would say keeping something uh, like a garden. I'm going to use the analogy today of a garden. Keeping something means to take care of it. Not just protect it, but take care of it, garden it, protect it, watch over it, be attentive to it, right? And so shamar is the word for this uh, verse in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. To guard, to protect, to keep. So this is the idea, and I want to break it down real quick for you. When we look at the Hebrew pictographic breakdown of this word, we have pictures, ancient pictures that represent these letters. Um, so the first letter, sheen, is, uh, comes from the, the, the idea of teeth and to eat or consume. So I'm going to use the word destroy, because it, it also can mean to destroy or break down or press down or, or, or destroy. And then mem is... Uh, interpreted as uh, the ancient picture of waters is chaos, chaos. 
And then Resh means head or first, or I like to think of Resh as the Prince of Heaven because Jesus is the head of the church. He is the Prince of Heaven. He is, um, he is the one that's in charge. He's the firstborn of all heaven. So he is Resh, okay? So we put these ideas together. We can kind of get an understanding, a pictographic meaning of the word Shemar, which would be to destroy the chaos. And then we have Jesus or the Prince of Peace. So I'd like to just submit this idea to you that I believe guarding our heart is all about Jesus through the help of the Prince of Peace destroying the chaos that comes at us. Because if chaos gets into your heart, if offense and hurt and pain gets into your heart, it's going to destroy you. But Jesus came to destroy that which is trying to destroy you. The Bible says that the Son of God came or appeared for this reason to destroy the works of the enemy. And the works of the enemy is chaos. And it is offense. And it is hurt. And it divides us from one another. So let's have Jesus guard our hearts for us. Shamar, the Prince of Peace, destroying the chaos, trying to come in. Isn't that cool? Another way I look, uh, looking at this word, and I just thought of this this morning as I was meditating, and I was just thinking about the word again in my mind. I'm, you know, I've been studying Hebrew, so you know, I'm just thinking about this and meditating on it. I suddenly realized that Shamar, um, actually the, the last two letters of Shamar, which is Mar, is a word in Hebrew. And that word is bitterness. And I'm like, oh man, my mind was blown. And I started thinking about this, that Sheen means to destroy, and then mar is bitterness. So to guard is to destroy bitterness, is to destroy offense, is to destroy the harm that's trying to get a hold of our heart and infect us with just toxicity and evil and hurt and pain. Because we all know that hurt comes from someone who's hurting, right? That's what we do. When we're hurt, we hurt back. It's just how it works. But God doesn't want us to live in hurt. And he doesn't want us to be a source of hurt to one another. And so I want to talk about this. And I think this is a good foundational understanding of what it means to guard our heart. To destroy the chaos through the help of Jesus that's coming against us. To not let that chaos enter our heart, but let that be destroyed. The bitterness needs to be destroyed. Okay, before it takes root in our heart. So let's go on and, and read uh, out of Philippians chapter 4 and see if this makes sense to you, okay? Paul is writing this and he says in verse 6 to 7 and 8, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now when I think about anxious or anxiety or fears, I think about stuff that's lodging on the inside of my heart. This isn't just in my mind. Uh, this isn't just outward stuff. This is something going on on the inside. When I'm anxious, it's something bothering my heart. I'm worried. I'm, I'm frustrated. I, I could have fear. And the Bible says, don't, don't do that. Don't let anything bring anxiety to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. So let's apply this to our relationships. Okay. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious about it. Don't be upset about it. Don't be fearful about it. Let's present these situations to God. And it says, and the peace of God, shalom, the peace of God, will transcend all your understanding, your ability to understand the situation. It will transcend that, right? And will guard, shamar, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember, shamar, um, to destroy 
uh, the chaos through the help of Jesus. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, right? So our power to live without being hurt and harmed, to the, the power that we have to resist offense and the division that comes with that is through Jesus and offering to Jesus every one of these situations that comes at us. And instead of dwelling on it in our own understanding, we release it to God and the Prince of Peace, Shalom, Jesus himself comes and he helps guard us against that pain or hurt or offense entering our heart. This is amazing. And this isn't all that far away from last week's message about how we need to find everything that we need in God. We go to God, we receive from God, right? And so this is what it means to guard. We need Jesus's help. We need to release all the the, the temptations to be hurt, to be angry, to take on offense. We need to release all those situations in our relationships uh, to God and let his peace that surpasses our understanding of the situation just guard us from the bitterness entering our hearts. I'm telling you, if you're hearing what I'm saying, this will totally change your life. It will incredibly decrease the amount of offense that you live with from now on. Because Jesus is here to help us to grow in being offendably resistant. <laughs> if I can say it that way, well, I don't even know if that's a word or not, but I'm, I'm trying to communicate the idea that we don't have to always be offended. Yes, offense is going to come, but we don't always have to give into it. And the more that we can become resistant to being offendable, the happier and healthier our relationships will be. There's just no question about it. So Paul goes on to say in verse 8, So finally, brothers and sisters... This is what you should be thinking about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Instead of dwelling on all the stuff that we get upset about or make us anxious or fearful or, 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 or you know, angry. Okay, so let's go on. I want to give you an analogy again of gardening, okay? Gardening our heart. And if you've been a gardener, if you can just go on this journey with me, I don't have a whole lot of gardening experience, uh, but I do feel like I can make some, some connections here for us from the natural to the spiritual, from the natural to our relationships, okay, as well. So let's just kind of go on this journey. If you want a good garden, and if you want your garden to be healthy and fruitful, and now we talk about our heart, right? If we want our heart and our relationships to be healthy and fruitful, what would we do? What would we do for a garden? And how does that apply to us doing the same thing for our heart, for our soul, for our relationships? Number one, we need to, you know, till the land and remove the weeds, the grass, the rubbish. We need to prepare the soil, right? In other words, in our soul, for us to have great relationships, we need to deal with the past and uproot the things of the past that need to go. There's a lot of rubbish in our souls. There's a lot of hurt and pain in our souls from the past. And we need to till up our soil and we need to remove and de-weed, right? All of the rubbish from the past because if you carry all that rubbish into your relationships today, they are having a negative impact on the, on the quality of relationships that you have. So this is a big activity. We're not going to talk about this that much today, but this is a big deal. We might talk about this later in this series of dealing with past hurts. Excuse me. 
Dealing with past hurts, past patterns, negativity, influences, our upbringing. Most of who we are today is a result of our upbringing and our past. And if we haven't gone through the process of tilling that up and pulling out and getting healing from some of those things, they're still with us today. It's like a computer program that they are still, those, those patterns, those thoughts, those hurts are still dictating our actions and our attitudes and our behaviors today if we haven't dealt with it. You can't have a good garden without getting rid of all the rubbish from the past. You got to clean it up, right? So that's number one. We need to clean our souls up and thank God that Jesus is our good shepherd who restores our soul. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will put his finger on things that he wants to pull up, uproot, and bring healing to your life, bring freedom to your life. We have a great ministry here at the church called Celebrate Recovery that many people are finding this process to be so life-changing uh, that I want to invite you to be a part of it as well. And so you can be a part of Celebrate Recovery. We have classes that are starting up soon. Uh, and on Thursday nights, our Celebrate Recovery weekly meeting is going on every week at 7 o'clock. You can just show up. You don't have to sign up. You can just show up and begin to uproot the past and find healing and freedom. All right? All right. Secondly, not just tilling up the land and removing the weeds and the grass, the rubbish, dealing with our past, but we also, it's not enough to just get rid of stuff. We need to put stuff into the ground, right? You need to plant good seed into your garden. You need to plant good seed in your soul, and you need to plant good seed into your relationships. This is what causes things to grow. Um, and so I want to challenge you with this idea. It's called the principle of sowing and reaping. Again, we might look at this in a later message, but I want to give you just a couple of thoughts to, to chew on in the meantime. There are several truths about sowing and reaping. I'm going to give you four of them right now. Number one, you reap what you sow, not what you want. All right, think about that. If you're in a relationship and you're not getting what you want, it's possible you haven't sown that. And you're like, well, I want you to do this for me. And I want you to treat me this way. And I want you to treat me that way. Well, have you been doing that for the other person? You know, because the Bible says the law of sowing and reaping, the idea is that it, you, you, you reap what you sow, not just what you want. All right, the second one is you reap after you sow. <laughs> There's a delay you know, you got to put something in the ground. You got to give out and you don't get it back immediately, right? So we have to live a lifestyle of sowing these qualities in one another so those seeds grow and then the fruit comes. So you don't give up after one day. You don't say one good thing. You don't do one good thing. And because you don't get an immediate response, you say, ah, forget it. It doesn't work. It didn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. You can't, you can't think that way. That's not how it works. The law of sowing and reaping says, look, you, you plant, but it takes a while for the thing to grow, for the fruit to come back. All right, number three, you reap in proportion to how much you sow. You can't just give one compliment to someone, uh, your, your spouse, and say, I love you. you know, and, and next week, you might say it one more time and expect to get all this love back. You get a proportion to how much you sow is how much you reap, right? So give a lot. Reap a lot. Give a little, reap a little. That's the idea. And fourthly, and the final one I'm going to give you today right now in this particular part, because this isn't the main message, is that you reap where you sow. 
So you need to plant it right in the person and in a situation that you want to reap from, right? So you may have a good relationship over here because you've planted a lot. Maybe you have a, 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 a worse relationship with somebody else in a different area, but maybe it's because you haven't sown as much into that person or into that, that situation. All right. So those are things to think about. We might do another message on this down the road because there's a lot there to, to, to break down. But thirdly, and this is what I want to talk about mostly today, is after you've tilled the ground and dealt with things from the past, which this is a lifelong journey, we'll always be doing that in our soul. As the Holy Spirit identifies things in us that need work, uh, that's not who you are. Don't believe that anymore. Get rid of that label. Here's, here's a pain that you've had. It's time for you to be healed. That's a lifelong journey. We're always going to be doing that. Okay. Secondly, we're always going to be sowing and reaping. We're always going to be planting good seeds and learning how to put great you know, patterns into place. And that's what this whole series is about, is trying to create some good patterns to, to grab hold of some tools that God has given us so that our relationships can be better. We'll always be doing that. But thirdly, we also need to guard against weeds coming into our soul. All right, so we're cleaning up things from the past, but we also got to maintain the present. We need to keep guard against weeds, hurt, offense, even intruders. I remember one year when I had a, a small garden, uh, I had rabbits that kept trying to come in and, you know, eat my, my, uh, the, the fruit of my garden. And so I started putting up fencing and try to keep them out, right? So you got to have protection so that you don't fall into, in your soul, places of hurt, offense, and pain. And that's what I want to talk about today. This particular part of this message right here is about how do you become offendably resistant or offendable resistant? Like a Teflon pan, you know, non-stick. You know, when you, you cook with a new Teflon pan, it's got that film on it. You can put your eggs in there. You can, you know, you know, cook things and then scoop them right out and it doesn't stick. But if you've got an old pan that doesn't have Teflon on it and you don't put enough grease or butter or oil in there, that stuff just, it just cooks right to the pan and you're scraping it and it's making a mess and it just becomes part of the pan almost, right? And that's what happens in life sometimes. Uh, people are doing things or not doing things, saying things or not saying things and we take offense and we get hurt and it gets stuck to us and we're just easily offendable. And then once we get hurt, our soul gets spoiled. It gets infected. It's like a disease. It's a... Uh, it hurts us so much that it begins to ooze and grow and then it comes out and it hurts other people. So how can you walk through life and have less things stick to you? How can you get a little bit of offendable resistant build up, resistance build up in your life? The Bible gives us some great tools for that. That's what we're going to talk about today. Here's a couple of gardening tips that I've learned about weeds. And when I'm talking about weeds, I'm talking about being offended offense. We don't want weeds in our heart. We don't want hurts in our heart. We don't want offense in our garden, right? So here's a couple of tips about weeds. Number one, weeds are a fact of life. <laughs> no matter what you do, weeds just pop up. They pop up. And ignoring them does not eliminate them. To ignore them, the issues of our heart, the pain, the offenses, that does not eliminate them. They don't go away. If you, if you ignore them, they grow more pronounced. They grow more powerful and they have a bigger impact on your soul, a bigger impact on your garden. You cannot ignore the weeds. They will ruin your garden. 
And they're a fact of life. Jesus said it this way. Now I'm talking about spiritual here in offense. He said it this way in Luke 17, 1. This is the King James Version. He says, then he said unto his disciples, it is impossible that offenses will, but offenses will come. Jesus saying, offenses are going to happen. Okay? So I wish I could title this message, um, Become Unoffendable. Okay? But that wouldn't be genuine because I know Jesus said, listen, you're going to be offended. Um, but I'm trying to convey a principle to you and to me that we actually can become offendable resistant, okay? There's going to be times, because we're not perfect, where our pride or our, our selfishness or our insecurities gets the best of us. And we're not walking in that moment in the perfect love of God and our flesh gets the best of us and we get hurt. That's going to happen. But it doesn't have to happen as much as it has been happening in your life. You can build up a resistance by putting in some really good tools in place in your life, okay? But just beware, nobody's perfect. We're all gonna go through hurt and um, it, this is part of life. Jesus says offense is gonna come, okay? But secondly, I've learned about weeds. It's easier to pull out a small weed than a bigger weed. It's easier to deal with it sooner than later. And that's a principle of scripture. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. No weed, little tiny weed, a little root, don't let it grow up to cause trouble and defile many. So if we have a hurt in our heart, if we are offended by someone and, and we don't tend that and pull that and get healing from God, if we don't deal with it, it will grow up, and the Bible says it will cause trouble and defile many people. It will affect many people, and it will affect the people that you're closest to. That's what happens. That's where all our hurt comes from. That's where our conflict is coming from. Hurting people, hurting people, right? When I'm hurting, I'm going to hurt. And so if I let that little tiny weed, when it's just small, it just hurts me a little bit, but I don't deal with it, and I let it grow, and I just try to ignore it, it's going to hurt even more because it's going to grow in me. Which leads to my third and final gardening tip on weeds, things that I've learned about weeds, um, is when you pull a weed, make sure to get the root or it comes right back. I remember when I was a, a young boy, I had some lawns I tended for some neighbors, some ladies that, that hired me to do their lawns. And one time uh, the lady said, hey, I want you to pull these weeds and clean up this garden area. So I'm like, oh, okay. I went over there, I'm like, bah, 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 just popping all these weeds out. And I mean, it looked beautiful, but I didn't get the roots. I didn't even know that, you know, how this thing worked. I was just getting all the green stuff on the top, right? I mean, like three days later, she calls me. And she had, hey, you need to come back over here. The weeds are back. I'm like, what? I went back there and I'm like, oh, they were like popping back up like crazy. And I realized, of course, I was young. I didn't know this, but I realized, man, that didn't work at all. Just to pick at these things and get the leaves. I had to get the root, right? And here's what the Bible says about this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27 says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. A root, okay, is like a foothold. And this idea of a foothold is a place. I looked this up in Greek. 
and it literally means a place of dwelling. A place of dwelling. The Bible says, listen, if you don't deal with your hurt and your offense, you're giving a place in your soul for the devil to dwell. I mean, that's crazy, but that's what we're doing. When we harbor bitterness, anger, revenge, hatred because of offense, we're literally rolling out a welcome mat, putting up an easy chair and inviting the devil to have a seat in our soul. And he just stirs the pot and he spoils our insides. He just keeps cooking that pot of offense and it grows and it grows and it causes all kinds of pain and problems, not just in us, not just in us emotionally, but it can be physically. And it comes out of us, like Jesus said, what's ever on the inside is going to come out. It's going to come out of our mouth. It's going to come out of our attitudes. It's going to come out of our actions and it's going to hurt other people. We all know this. We all have done it and we have all been the, uh, you know, the, the one that's, that's been affected by it. So these are things that we need to know and we don't have to live life that way any longer. In the future message uh, of this series, I'll probably be talking about forgiveness and the importance it is for us to forgive. That's how you deal with a weed. It's forgiveness. You need to forgive. But we'll, we'll spend more time on that in another lesson. But if you're already feeling that towards someone, if you already know that there's a hurt or an anger or a, uh, an offense in your heart, the first step for you is to forgive. You just need to forgive and release them right now in Jesus' name so that root doesn't grow any bigger and spoil any more people, your life or the life of those around you, okay? But let's go on to um, just this, this uh, idea of becoming offendably resistant, like, like growing in our ability to not be so offensive or, or offendable. Uh, Proverbs 19.11 says, It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It's a good thing to not be offended all the time. Someone might do something wrong, say something wrong, leave you out, uh, do something, you know, uh, that hurts you. But the Bible says it's to your glory. It's a good thing if you can just overlook that and not let that offense um, take a place in your heart. To not be hurt but to overlook. That's a good thing. So we want to get better at that. Secondly, Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. So one of the expressions of love is to cover an offense and to, to not take it to heart um, and to give grace and to let it go, not to dig it up and not to uh, really make a big deal out of it. And so, there's a couple principles there that I want to challenge you to do. And how do we do that? So I want to just talk about that. How do we do that? Because it's so hard. Our flesh, our pride, our ego, you know, we want to react. We want to defend ourselves. We, we want to hurt back. We want to get even. I know I'm a, I'm a person like you. I deal with all this stuff too. But we can learn tools on how to not be so offendable. And we can overlook some things. We can, we can not let some things affect us as much, okay? So I'm going to talk about that. To, to, to give you the idea of what this is all about, I have a mousetrap here for you. The reason I have a mousetrap is because I was studying this word offense. 
And I want to read again Luke 17, verse 1, that Jesus says this, It is impossible that offenses will come. In the Amplified, it says this, Stumbling blocks, temptations, and traps set to lure one to sin are sure to come. And then in the um, complete Jewish Bible translation, Jesus says, It is impossible that snares will not be set. What's all this talk about snares and traps and offenses? Well, the word for offense in the Greek language is this, scandalon. Scandalon, which I think is where we get the word scandal. <laughs> it's a scandal. And a scandalon in Greek is a trigger. It's this little guy right here, this little, this little lever in a mouse trap that is set. And when that trigger is touched, when the bait is taken, the trigger releases the trap and you're caught. Scandalon is the trigger. Offense. Offense is when you take the bait and the trigger, the offense, snaps. Snaps you. And uh, this, thing, this thing can hurt you, right? So I'm not really good or experienced with mouse traps, but um, if this thing, if I pull this back, the trap is being set, I put the scandal on in place, <laughs> freaking out here, and right now, there is a trap. This is the way that Bible describes offense to us right here. There is a trap. I don't know about you, but I have been entrapped quite a bit. I want to give you some examples. I don't know if you're more interested in how I've fallen into traps or the traps that I have set for other people, but I'll give you a little both. Sometimes uh, something that was said can cause me to get offended and I can take the bait. Once I was offended by someone who's criticizing me for how I was drinking a glass of water. And I was like, offended by that. It hurt my feelings. One time, uh, it was something that was not said. I remember times when I've done something for someone, maybe as holding the door, or I went out on my way to help someone with something, and they didn't say thank you. And I'm like, I can't, you know, later, I can't believe they didn't say thank you. And I'm, I'm hurt. I'm mad about that. I took the bait. I got trapped because of something that, you know, the way that I'm interpreting um, that person's actions or those words. Sometimes it's something that is done. I remember, this happened to me many times, got my eye on a parking spot, you know, in, close to an entrance to a store, and someone, someone beats me to it. And I'm like, oh man, that was going to be my spot, right? And, and it's my selfishness that, that was hurt. Um, something that was not done, like sometimes... People are driving too slow in front of me. I, mean, I want them to drive faster. Or I expect somebody to do something for me and they don't do it. And I'm like, oh man, and I'm mad. I'm mad at them or I'm disappointed or I'm hurt or I feel rejected or they left me out, right? Sometimes it's just a look. Have you ever just gotten a look from somebody, your spouse or somebody else? I remember getting a dirty look from somebody when I pulled out and I got a lot of driving examples here if you haven't noticed. I cut, I cut into them, I guess, too quickly. And oh man, they gave me a look to kill. And I saw their lips moving, but I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> I didn't want to know what they were saying. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what? Come on, man, I wasn't that close. Give me a break. You know, and I'm all mad at that person. And I'm driving away. I took, the, I took the bait. I fell into the trap. And sometimes it was just an oversight. Maybe sometimes I felt left out or you felt left out. Because you felt like um, maybe you should have been involved in a decision. 
Or maybe you weren't invited to some, someone's uh, special get-together. Or maybe someone walked by you without saying hi. Listen, I know that I have fallen into these things before. I have taken those baits before. And I let hurt enter my heart. I was offended. The trigger was um, released, right? And I'm a little afraid to do this. But when we, when we do that and we let that pain come, it's like we are, we are touching the trap. And, and, we're, and we're caught. And the thing about, I'm not doing that with my finger because I know and you know that when that trap is set, there is pain. <laughs> pain that happens. This is what the Bible is using to describe offense. This scandal on, the, the trigger, and we take the bait, it snaps, and we get hurt. We are inflicted with pain. I mean, I'm not mad about these things, but it's just a fact. I know I have said things to people in the church that they took offense at and they got hurt by and they just left. We didn't, they didn't reconcile. You know, it wasn't even a reconciliation. It was just they left. And the, the pain caused a breakup, if you will. I know there's things I haven't said. There's been people that I haven't reached out to enough or wasn't there for them in their moments of need. And uh, sometimes because I didn't even know about it. Sometimes because I couldn't be there. Uh, or maybe I just wasn't there and I wasn't being, you know, as helpful as I should have been. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. A lot of times it's unintentional, right? I mean, I'm not a perfect person. I have failed people. I've hurt people. That's for sure. But a lot of times it's unintentional too in our relationships. And then because I wasn't there, um, there's an offense taken, a hurt taken. And sometimes that's repaired and sometimes it's not. Sometimes they just, they, someone would just leave. And so we have all kinds of scenarios of these kinds of things. I even have people um, I know have been offended because I didn't notice them or didn't say hi to them. Maybe I walked by them and I was looking at somebody else and I walked right by you or someone else and they're hurt, they're offended and they feel rejected. So we have all of these issues going on all the time. There's traps all over the place. And so how do we, you know, become uh, less offendable? And it's quite simple, <laughs> really, but it's not, not easy. And it is this. Don't take the bait. I mean, if I had, I got one more trap here. If I had, you know, a cherry. Whoop, I'm holding this the opposite way. I want to switch my hands. If I had a cherry or a piece of cheese or you're hungry, and you, you know, whatever, you know, that's what lures, uh, lures the, uh, the mouse to this trap, right? But for us, um, sometimes it's our pride. It's our respect. You know, it's, uh, it's what we expect from others. Um, it's, it's all kinds of different things. And we want, we want what we want, right? And when it's, when it's not the way we want it, or someone doesn't do what we expect, or they hurt us, it's that we're, ta we're taking that bait and saying, you know, I should be treated differently. You shouldn't do that to me. I, I deserve better. Uh, I'm feeling rejected. I feel uh, unloved, you know. And when we're taking it, right, that's when the pain comes into our lives. And so I want to give you a couple of tips on this. Four tips real quick as we finish this message. First of all, recognize that you have buttons. I'll use the word buttons. You have buttons that you're still working on. I mean, all of these different examples I gave you, one was because of a pride button that I have. 
One is because of a selfish button I have. One is because of an impatient button that I have. One is because of a selfish button that was pushed by someone. You know, one is because of an insecurity. And, and thank God he is beginning to reduce the size of those buttons. Some of them God has removed from me altogether. But there are tendencies that we have. Some of us have a big rejection button on us. We have dealt with rejection. We have felt rejected our whole life. And now it's almost like a pair of glasses. We're looking for people rejecting us. And we interpret events that we are being rejected. And it's just, listen, just recognize the fact that you're dealing with the issue of rejection. So you're prone to, to take that bait of rejection often. And if you just realize that, that might be helpful to you because you might actually not be being rejected by people around you as much as you think, but that's an issue for you. And so you tend to interpret people's actions that way. So number one, recognize you've got some buttons. So be on special guard in those areas of your heart and don't give space to the devil on those things by misinterpreting things around you, okay? Just, just be truthful. Hey, I got some buttons. So I need to be careful about that. Because of my tendency to feel rejected, um, I'm going to be aware of that and be on guard against that and just be, be careful, you know, not to overanalyze things and overemphasize people's motives towards me, okay? The second tip I want to give you is understand who's setting this trap. Understand who's setting this trap. Uh, the Bible says very clear, clearly in Ephesians 6 verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against one another. It says it is against rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The one who is setting the traps is the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms, the devil and demons. The devil uses us people to set traps and to hurt one another. When I am being selfish, the devil is at work in my selfishness to use that against me and the people around me to hurt them. When I am feeling rejected, God is using that pain of my rejection. Not God. The devil is using that pain of my rejection, right? To reject and hurt other people. This is how it works. We're not actually against one another. We are wrestling against spiritual forces. Listen. This trap is set by the spiritual forces against you to hurt you, to harm you, to destroy you, to break up your marriage, to damage your relationships, to damage your soul, to make you dark and broken and to kill you, right? That's where this is coming from. So it's not coming from people, but people are fallen. We're fallen creatures, but our pain and our hurt is being used against us and against one another through the spiritual forces that are against us, right? And so realize in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be alert, be of sober mind, be on your guard, right? For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is trying to get you to step into his trap. So you are hurt, you are harmed, you are destroyed. Okay, number one, recognize we have bu buttons, we have issues. Be on a special guard against giving into those tendencies. Number two, recognize the trap is not people, it is the devil. 
right? And he's trying to trap us into pain and hurt. He's trying to get us to misinterpret one another. Um, most of offenses are unintentional. Some of them are intentional because we're just bad people at times. But a lot of our pain and hurt is coming from people not even knowing they're hurting us because a trap has been set by the devil and we're taking the bait. We're taking it, right? And so thirdly, my third tip is give the benefit of the doubt. The rabbis and the scribes of the, of the ages gone by have taught this for hundreds of years. Give the benefit of the doubt instead of assigning the, best, the worst possible motivation to people, which is what we tend to do. Oh, he doesn't like me. Oh, she said that. Oh, they're talking about me. Oh, look, they didn't notice me. Oh, they don't care about me. Oh, I'm not good enough for them. Instead of assigning these motives to people, because people very rarely will say that to us, but we look at their actions and we assign that motive to them and that we assume the worst. But the Bible, Jesus, and what you need to do is take this tool and assign the best possible motive to people. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, they're probably just um, busy with something else. Oh, they probably, um, they, I know they love me. They're just, they just didn't have time you know, that week, there must be something else going on or whatever. Always assigning the best, giving people the benefit of the doubt, living with grace, right? Living with grace. And that will really help us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, so from now on, we, we regard no one from a human point of view or according to worldly standards and values. We're not looking at people in the flesh. We want to look at one another as Christ sees us. A work in progress, a loved child of God a forgiven child of God, someone who is still being molded in the image of God, right? Someone who has a good heart and they're not evil. So we are to look at each other that way. Um, a different translation says we are careful not to judge people by what they seem to be. And I'll add to that just in, in, in the context of the relationships or what they seem to be doing or what they are, seem to be thinking. We do not want to put judgment on people for things that we don't know. That's just a toxic way of viewing your world and people around you. I'm holding this very carefully because I don't want to get snapped, by the way. But I'm going to finish in a minute with this, this final tip. Filter everything through your identity in Christ. What is true about you in Christ? What is true about you, not about what anybody else is saying about you, not how they're treating you or not treating you, noticing you or not noticing you, what they're saying or not saying about you, because what is true about you in Christ is more real and more true than anything else said or done or not done or not said to you by anybody else. And that's where your security comes from. That's where your love comes from. That's where your peace comes from. And when you know who you are, you don't have to take the bait. Yeah, Yikes. So don't take the bait. Let's become more resistant in our offendability, if you will, by following these tips. Recognize, hey, we got some problems. We got some tendencies. But let God keep working those hurts out of our lives from the past so we can reduce the size of our buttons or get rid of some of them altogether, right? We can also... Um, understand that the trap is not one another. We're not evil people, right? We're broken people. And so we can give grace to one another. We can overlook offenses. We can cover them with love. We can realize that sometimes in weak moments, 
The devil gets the best of us and he's using our hurt or pain or our attitude or pride or selfishness to hurt one another. So we cover, we release, we reject rejection, we reject offense. We, we just don't take it to heart and we give the benefit of the doubt to one another. We live with grace with one another and we grow in our understanding of who we are in Christ. As I close this message, I just want to pray two prayers. One, for those of you who want to get right with God, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. He is the Prince of Peace. He came to save you, forgive you, and fill you with life for now and for all eternity. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to be saved, you want your sins forgiven, you want your, names written in the, your name written in the Lamb's book of life, then pray this prayer with me. Place your faith in Jesus as Lord. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I give my life to you and declare my faith in you as my Lord and my Savior. I have sinned, but I recognize that you paid for my sin with your life. And so I receive graciously your forgiveness of all my sins. And I thank you for loving me and never giving up on me. I welcome your Holy Spirit to fill me with power to live a new life in you. In your name I pray and trust. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Well, if that's you, you just gave your life to Christ, I celebrate with you today that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and encourage you to keep watching or come to church or find a church that you can be a part of so you can grow in your relationship with Jesus and you can learn things like we were talking about today, how to be more healthy, more full of the life that Jesus came to give you. And if you're watching this as a response to today's message and you know there's some hurt in your, in your life right now that's causing hurt, let's get rid of that right now. Let's just pray and let's forgive where that hurt came from so we can begin the healing process. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just pray for the, the person watching this right now who's recognized that there's some hurt or pain in his or her life right now. And God, we come to you and thank you that you love us and you are the restorer of our soul. And we choose to follow you by faith today to forgive the person or the persons, the situation that has happened to us right now. In your heart, just say, I forgive. And say the person or the people or the situation, I forgive. Lord, as we, as we take this step of faith to forgive, I thank you for the process of healing has also begun. I pray for my, my friend, Lord, that you will heal them of this hurt. You will restore their soul. And you begin to replace that hurt with your love, your security, your peace, and let a river of living water begin to flow out of their life and out of their soul now to those around them in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, in all of our relationships that we'll have healthier, stronger relationships. Help us to apply these truths to our life today and this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me bless you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom, in his name. I love you. God loves you. God bless you. Have a great day and a great week.